Good morning. It is Monday, January 3rd, 2022, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Welcome. Wow. 2022. Hard to believe. That has happened since we last checked in. We flipped the calendar over. Some rains in southern Brazil and Argentina have fallen, but more needed. That's got the grain markets on fire in the overnight. 20 cent plus gains in soybeans. Corn, five to eight cents higher. Wheat had a terrible week to wrap up 2021. And even that market is trading to the upside in the overnight. COVID-19 and the Omicron variant canceled thousands of U.S. flights over the New Year's holiday. Airlines are still, still fighting to get traffic back to where it should be. The Senate comes back to work this week, although the government is closed for a snow day today. The Office of Personal Management has declared today a snow day for the federal government. And that just means that the federal offices are going to be closed to all but essential personnel. I am AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That's pro farmer analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, happy new year, buddy. How you doing? Happy new year to you. The first snow is always the best one, Chip, but uh, I don't like snow like I used to. And we could get up to seven inches here where usually an inch shuts down this town. Yeah. So, so tell me, is it actually snowing or, or not? It is snowing. Yeah. Oh, it it's is? Snowing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So maybe they got this one right. Uh, well, yeah, but they have a history of lowballing the amounts. At first, they yeah. said two to three, then two to four, then three to five, now three to seven. So here we go. So here we go. I hope you had a very happy New Year's holiday, Jim. I did. It was just, I read a lot. I watched TV, some bios, you know, you know biographies, a lot of football. Uh, that yeah. Ohio State University game was quite, oh. you, know, you know, quite the game, huh? Back and forth with Utah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, there's not many people in the country that anticipated that kind of a game, that high scoring of a game, and no. Utah to come along and play like they did. That, that was, uh, yeah, that was a pretty amazing game. Okay, let's get down to business because another thing that happened over the weekend is California's Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act, also known as Prop 12. We've been talking about Prop 12 for at least six months, maybe even a little bit longer than that now. Uh, it took effect on Saturday, and, and it's expected to have a major impact on the pork industry and product prices. Uh, we need to get to the bottom line of where things stand on this. And for that, we're going to bring in Michael Formica. He is the general counsel for the National Pork Producers Council, and he joins us right now. Michael, welcome to Signal to Noise. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Jim. It's all yours. Take okay, it away. it's always good to have Michael. We're uh, longtime friends. I don't know how many years now, and Michael knows his stuff. I, I had I had more hair, and uh, <laughs> it had more color to it. <laughs> I was thinner a little yeah. bit. <laughs> okay. If you could, this is a complex topic, but uh, of course we, we picked a lawyer to, to help us out on this one. If you could first generally go through what is Proposition 12, and in particular, I, I'm getting emails saying, how can they implement this thing when the rules from California are yeah. not even out? Yeah, the the rule the rules not being out that's a that's a real particular problem. Um, but to your first question, Jim, which is a great one, what is Prop Twelve? Uh, it's a ballot initiative. It's a latest version 
of what um, HSUS has been pushing for a number of years. And in in this case, what they have done is they've imposed um, housing restrictions and, and really husbandry restrictions, how how you're going to um, not just raise raise pigs, but how you're going to breed your sows and care for your sows, um, put in very prescriptive standards, um, some of which California even admits are going to are going to lead to increased sow mortality rates, uh, harm to sows, harm to piglets. Um, they've put them in place, and then they have said, if you didn't, if you don't meet these standards, you are not allowed to sell your product in California. And so California raises no pork. They've got, we think, about 8,000 8, sows, only 1,500 in commercial production, and it takes about 700,000 sows to, to meet the market. So all of the burden is going to fall outside of the state. Um, prevents, um, so that the, the difficult language is that sows at all times need to be able to stand up and, and turn around. Um, what that what that is a practical matter uh, means is that after um, after you've weaned the piglets off from the sow, uh, that next day, rather than putting her as she's recovering from pregnancy, uh, putting her in a situation where she's getting individual treatment, you're going to have to move her into a, a large open group pen, um, and uh, and they're going to be subject to uh, a lot of competition for food and water. Um, a, a reasserting of the dominant hierarchies within the herds. There's going to be a lot of fighting. Um, there's increased uh, risk to both the sow's welfare as well as to um, uh, the you know, safety of, of workers on the farm. Um, and then uh, and then you'll breed them and uh, and they'll fight after breeding and uh, you know, you'll have lower conception rates. And uh, uh, and when, once they're pregnant. You know, producers have you know have an idea of how to how to manage sows, and they seem to they seem to calm down. But it, it's up until that point where you know you can you can ensure that the sow is is you know confirmed that she's pregnant uh, that it creates a lot of problems. Yeah. Well, now you know the the Supreme Court. I know the Farm Bureau and NPPC, the National Pork Producers Council, is challenging this, and it's going to go. Uh, eventually before the Supreme Court. Can you step us through that? Because yeah. most people are reporting that they'll make a decision whether or not they'll accept the case on January the 7th, but that's not the case, is it? Uh, so we, we filed this challenge back in late 2019, uh, Prop 12 passed in 2018. And there've been, there've been a number of challenges to these ballot initiative type of laws. The egg industry went through a whole host of them. Uh, none of those were successful, but all of them had very, very um, you know, obvious flaws to them, primarily that they weren't, they were filed by state attorney generals, for instance, not by the farmers themselves. Um, the meat packers, uh, NAMP, the North American Meat Institute filed a, filed a challenge to Prop 12 itself uh that you know that wasn't successful but again that was a challenge brought by meat packers um and also included veal um and and california is, is your as your viewers know probably um has the largest ag economy has the largest dairy economy in in the country which does give the state some interest in how they regulate 
uh, what happens on it on and around uh, the dairy industry. But they don't have a pork industry, and that's that's really right. the difference between us and them. Uh, they're they're truly regulating an industry that here that doesn't exist in the state. Um, our case has worked its way up through the system, um, and now we're uh, we're before the Supreme Court, which has to make a decision as to whether they want to hear this or not. Um, we're scheduled for the con. Uh, there's a conference that'll happen on Friday. Um, they could decide to hear it on on Friday. Uh, it's also possible they've got another conference uh, the following week on the 14th. Um, we now know they're going to do the vaccine um, arguments on on the seventh on Friday as well. And so it's it's likely that they might uh, punt the ball, uh, if you will, and and make that to make a decision the following week. Okay, and when you say a conference, what does that mean? All interested oh, parties sure. involved? That's a great question. Now, now we're yeah. Uh, let, let bring, bring folks in um, and and get, give them a peek behind how how the court works. So uh, the Supreme Court gets maybe eight thousand cases petitioned to it a year. They wow. take, they take about seventy. Um, so it, it's really difficult to get them to take a case. They want, you know, they want to make sure that it's a real case. It's worth their, it's worth their time. Uh, that if they get involved, it, they're going to have a, um, an impact across the country. Um, really, they focus on, um, you know, abuses of justice, uh, or if there's splits within, you know, different parts of the country, how how laws are are being uh, interpreted and handled, or there's real core constitutional issues. Um, I say 8,000 cases, but most of those are a lot of criminal appeals. Criminals are in jail. They're always appealing their uh, their conviction. So most get most get rejected, but the court has to come together and figure out what cases it's going to hear. And so they have a conference um, throughout their term. They do these every every few weeks. And uh, there are uh, you know, there are two more left if. Um, you know, where where they're in a position to grant cases to hear and still be able to hear them uh, throughout during this current term. So you'd get a decision by the end of uh, by the middle of middle of next year. Um, and so that's what they will they will do. They the clerks will have reviewed all of all of the filings that have gone in. Um, we'll have briefed. Uh, we'll spend the week briefing the justices. Uh, the justices will meet in a conference room. Uh, and they'll sit down and they'll go through all the cases on their schedule to discuss next week. And they'll either um, they'll they'll deny most of them. They will grant some of them, uh, very few of them. We we're hoping we're one of them uh, for some. And what I think is maybe more likely, um, they'll hit, they'll review our case. Uh, they'll go back and um, and, you know, ask the clerks to to weigh in some more uh to do some you know answer whatever questions that they have and then they'll they'll come back and and discuss it a second time next week michael what's the most favorable outcome of this january 7 uh supreme court hearing uh it, it's a of the meeting it would be that they grant the case or, okay. or they, they so they they grant our petition which means they have agreed to hear our case okay and, and we then, should and then they'll schedule it. If that happens, we'll know at what middle of the month. Uh, if they if they grant our case, we will know we will know that on you know the the following Monday. 
that oh, okay. late morning the following Monday, and an order list will come out, and they'll say your case has been granted, uh, and then we'll get a you know then then I'll get and and our outside lawyers will all get um, an order from the court that'll have a date that argument is going to occur. Um, where we actually have our oral arguments we get to present, and we'll also have dates for filing more briefs. Do you also have to wait a week to to hear that it's been rejected or not uh, from the it, hearing? It, it depends. It depends on, you know, okay. if they they could reject it on, on Friday, and we would know that then Monday morning, or they could reject it the Friday the 14th, and we would know okay. that on Tuesday morning because that month that following Monday is a uh, federal holiday. Okay. Okay. Now some of the emails I've I've seen come in on this one. Uh, we hope several... they we hope they accept it. That, that's, okay. what, yes. that's what we're we're gunning for. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, many of the emails are saying they're 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 focusing on the meat in storage. Can you go through what that's allowed to still be sold? in California and what are pork you know processors doing about that some i understand are leery about that am i correct yeah so that the, it's a very and this gets back to a point you raised earlier california has not come out with the rules uh, and so it's very unclear what is allowed to be sold what's not allowed to be sold and there's a disconnect publicly at least between what um, the department of food and ag cdfa says and the governor's office says and what the attorney general's office has said um cdfa uh the california department of food and agriculture has come out and has indicated that they are only looking at um january 1 as the implementation date that uh as long as a a piglet was born before january 1st so up until Friday evening, um, that they, you know, that they would, they would essentially consider that grandfathered in. And that has been their position going back, you know, for, you know, for a while now, you know, essentially gives us, uh, you know, eight months, eight more months supply of, of pork and allows the system to, to change over. Okay. Uh, the, the problem that has happened is in, in their efforts to keep the Supreme Court from taking our case, the Attorney General filed a brief that said, you know, Supreme Court, you don't need to take this case because there's not a problem. Prop 12, the stand-up turnaround provision, the more difficult to meet provision, has actually been the law in, you know, in effect since uh, December of 2018. And there's been no reduction in pork supply in California. Um, so what what's going on here? Um, and what's going on is uh, we we disagree with that interpretation of the law. I I know how they how they got to it, but uh, it the the provisions are very vague. Um, there's been no enforcement. Um, when when the attorney general filed that brief, that was the first time um, we've we actually saw it in writing where they anyone in in the California government took that position, and that's caused uh, you know especially with some packers. Uh, a lot, a lot of concern. Uh, they don't want to be, um, you know, they don't want to be breaking the law. And if that doesn't allow them to sell product <laughs> in California, they won't sell but, product. Michael, the way to make sure that they're not breaking the law is just not put product in the state, right? 
uh that's that's correct it's, yeah um but it's a big state yeah and 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 as i've told people i'm on the east coast so when i think of california i you know i think of mark zuckerberg's and all these billionaires and mega millionaires in silicon valley and and you know vegan hollywood types like ellen degeneres uh, all of whom are are just mind-bogglingly rich. Um, but the reality is there's 40 million people who live in California, and the overwhelming vast majority of them are not you know, right. big, bold names. They're regular middle-class people. But a majority of those people voted to enact Proposition 12, which gives me concern that w- are we looking at a potential precedent-setting case here where voters can dictate – how food is is produced that that's certainly that's certainly the problem um a, a majority of the people did not vote for prop 12 oh. a majority of the voters in that election voted for prop 12 okay i've got you i've got you but still maybe, maybe, you know, maybe 20% of the of the state's population voted for but but also to that end they weren't voting about pork they didn't know about pork and they didn't know what the impact of this was going to be they were presented a question do you think farm animals should be protected from cruel treatment yeah yeah same. yes or no and there's, there's everybody in iowa was going to vote the same way that's right to that question yeah which brings us to the detail. which brings us to the impacts can you go through some of the i i know mppc working with other economists have have, have come out with some estimates of the impact can you go through some of them uh, i mean it, it, the the cost to comply is is astronomical especially mm-hmm. for a, you know for an individual producer because that producer doesn't you know that producer doesn't really have control of of the market um they don't have a business model where you know where they they don't have, they don't have the packing operation they don't have the marketing operation on the consumer side where you can raise the price uh, we believe uh, it it costs about uh, thirty five hundred dollars um, per sow, um, you know, to to make the you know make the conversions. Um, you know, that's uh, you're you're talking for a typical sow your typical sow farm these days. It's like fifteen million dollars. Um, yeah. To yeah. you know to to build a new one. You now you could also go in and and take an existing farm but why would you do that um you know shut you know shut the thing down depopulate it take every take all the equipment out completely retrofit it um but having spent you know having spent 15 million dollars let's say to build a new farm um you don't know that the technology that you're going to put in there is actually going to work we you know we expect that you know that there's going to be significant increases in uh, as i mentioned earlier sow mortality you're going to have greatly reduced uh, conception rates. Um, and so that farm that you spent a lot of money on um, is going to be you know, less productive. Your environmental it footprint, it, it costs more to operate. Your environmental footprint is going to go up. You're going to waste a lot more feet. And, you know, as the, the same activists keep telling us, you know, feet is, feet is where the big footprint and carbon footprint comes from. Yeah. And, and um, then you've got the traceability of the product all the way back to the farm. You've got to be able to prove that, that the product was produced under Prop 12 rules and regulations, whatever those rules and regs are. Well, so you have to register the farm. You have to allow annual inspections. 
Um, and we've got a problem with annual inspections. You know, sure they can inspect the farm, but you know, after you spend all that money, you know, building a new farm, you know, you're not going to go switch everything out. So you either be Prop 12 or not. Um, so we would like them to to maybe do three, every three or four years or every five years uh, because there's a real disease uh, biosecurity issue here. There's not enough inspectors. These yeah, inspectors yeah. are going to be traveling all over. But the worst problem here is Prop 12, the rules California has, are also saying um, you can choose who does uh, who does the audit. So you can hire a, a group to do the audit that you're comfortable with. But you can be subject to surprise audits at any time by anybody who is uh, approved by California. And we know a lot of these vegan activist groups are going out there trying to get, you know, trying to get the same people who break into farms and, um, you know, fraudulently get their way into farms, pretending to be farm workers. All of them are going to go register as, as auditors. And so now you're, if you're raising hogs for California, are you giving them permission to come do surprise inspections at any point in time? And how do you comply with biosecurity if, you know, somebody can show up unannounced on a farm? Right. Right. Now, now uh, on the cost to the consumer. What yeah, would Jim, we need to wrap up with Michael, too. So let's oh, uh, gosh. Yes. make her quick here. Cost to uh, consumer. First, we, the cost we, to the consumer. Uh, we, we don't we don't we don't quite know yet. Um, it's, you know, cost. Uh, so the cost of pork in California is 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 going to go up. It's going to go up a lot. Um, the problem as we as we tell the Supreme Court is you know, not every, you know, a, a pig isn't an egg. You know, the piglet doesn't just move to California. The piglet becomes bacon and ribs and hams and, um, and loins and all, you know, and Canadian bacon and, um, and regular bacon and all sorts of things, which gets spread out through, throughout the chain of commerce. And only California consumers are going to pay the premium for it. And so those costs will be incurred by California. But they're not yeah. going to pay for the entire their slab of bacon is going to pay for the entire pig. So a lot of those costs are going to be passed on to consumers elsewhere. Um, and we don't we don't quite know how this will play out. My final one, Michael, is that I was at a Pennsylvania pork meeting last summer and a, a you know, relatively large hog producer, I forget what state he was from, was in his final weeks of complying with whatever regulations he thought would come uh, out of this. He, he, when he gave a speech, he, he kind of signaled that this would, would be a marketing advantage for him to have complied already. You know, any comments on that? Well, uh, um, yes, sure. Certainly. Um, and, and as you said, he's a big guy, right? Yeah, and he worked with a, with the specific company too. Yeah. Uh, there is, um, I, I know I know there's a couple of guys who are trying to sell these systems. Um, they you know they it's not clear to me, um, especially last summer, that what they're you know what they were proposing to put in actually would be prop twelve compliant. Without mm -hmm. those rules, we don't we don't quite know. Uh, right. And so until you yeah. until you have that that roadmap, you've you got the four corners of that box um, laid out, you don't you don't quite know. Um, you know, certainly, if you're Prop 12 compliant, you've got um, you've got access to the California market, which gives you some advantage. Um, 
but you know it's a it's a it's a massive massive market yeah. and we we're only you know we're only about four or five percent of production is compliant right now yeah C- cdfa has said that they can they don't have the authority to delay implementation can can the court get involved in that um not in our case but the you know really uh where this is going to hit first and and i wonder so it is it's 6 30 in the morning in california right now uh this is one if you went to a grocery store people would be restocking the shelves overnight um probably isn't going to be a whole lot of bacon being restocked on the shelves uh this morning and so what we're you know what we're seeing is there is there restaurants retailers um the grocery stores are all very concerned about this they have gone to court in a separate case um cdfa was supposed to finish these regulations 28 months ago and have asked the court to rewrite that that timing component and there is uh, there's a lot of precedent to that um you know it, 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 the, the prop 12 has created an impossible situation for a grocery store uh, where they're now facing criminal charges if they sell pork but their consumers all want pork they can't get pork they don't raise the pork what what do they do um and so you know the the law clearly says 28 months after regulations if you want to sell pork you know so we were talking about you have to have on-farm inspections but that's part of a certification process if you want to sell pork in california uh your you know your chips grocery store right or chip and jim's we'll call it chip and jim's grocery perfect and you want to you want to sell bacon you to avoid going to jail you have to have a certification from the state of california and that mm-hmm. certification is part of these rules which have not been released yet and so uh chip and jim you're good luck good luck you can you can either meet your consumer demand or um you know or not but choose wrong and you're going to jail wow okay <laughs> michael I, I know that what you just said is it, it's a perfect case for unintended consequences elections have consequences whether they're intended or not and uh, and and we're going to be dealing or california is going to be dealing with this quite a bit going forward we're going to have to get you back on and get an update here in a couple of weeks okay michael anytime let me know all right that is michael formica he is the general counsel for the national pork producers council thank you so much michael appreciate it all right jim we've got a short amount of time here but i feel like we've got some other issues that we need to get to first off a couple of comments in here one from gary he says, I think California is at the point where only pain in the pocketbook will cause a correction, I fear. Talking about if we if the price of pork goes up, maybe then the consumers will realize exactly what's going on. And Kirby has a good question. We just need to, this is something that we can address in the future. Kirby says, what lessons, and I'll let you address it right now, Jim. What lessons can we learn from Prop 12 in terms of the importance of developing an effective campaign to defeat future props at the polls. Yes. Good point. Absolutely. And be educated. And as the initial question, remember when Michael said what was asked, you have to challenge those because we see those in, in, in political polls. It's how you ask a question. So before it even gets on that initiative in the proposal stage, that should be battled right there. Right. Absolutely right. Okay. 
what did you learn? What else did you learn over the weekend, Jim? That uh, centrist uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia continues to talk to the White House. And I wrote this morning that odds are at least increasing that some scaled back version of BBB uh, is uh, increasing in odds. Uh, that's going to take a while. This town does not do anything fast. Uh, but it looks like they're talking and it looks like uh, now we have the more, you know, let's get something done version mm -hmm. of mansion uh, that it looks like they're pulling out the child tax credits, what we call, you know, CTC uh, out of this for, for potential separate legislation and then some other aspects. But uh, it looks like the uh, Democrats want to get to some place that, that they can ink a portion of BBB chip, but that remains to be seen what the house, you know, you, you know, whether or not the house progressives will go along with that. Very good. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the schedule for today because President Biden, USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack, uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland are going to be holding uh, a, an open meeting, I guess, with independent farmers, ranchers. The session is aimed at discussing the administration's efforts to boost competition and reduce prices in the meat processing industry. Yeah, they're not letting this one go, Chip. There's follow through on this one. We've seen this in several White House. They sent a media advisory over the weekend uh, this afternoon. They're going to have this uh, virtual meeting and they're going to throw a lot of money at it, as we've already seen. What, over $500 million to small and medium sized uh, you know, to uh, implement more uh, meat processing facilities. Uh, but they're working this as well on the inflation front. They're trying to deal with the run-up in food prices. And most private industry economists are saying food prices in general are going to go up uh, up to 5% the first half of this year. That's a big increase, Chip, from what we've already seen. You know, and some states have already taken this issue on as well and and are making sure that they are doing at a state level what needs to be done to make sure that um, that that the processing industry is being supported. The small and medium-sized processing industry is being supported. Uh, state of Iowa is a great example on that, and 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 doing a great job with it. And so, Missouri is another one. You know, Missouri is you know, another one. Absolutely, big, big one. Yes, even though that's going to draw a lot of animals from outside the state, as I understand it, it's still a processing facility that wasn't there, you know, before. Right. It's capacity. It's Absolutely. Capacity in a region. And the more capacity you bring into a region, I think they're going to find out that they are, are solving the problems that they believe need to be solved. Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday, the Fed is going to release minutes from the December 14-15 Federal Open Market Committee meeting. It, there's it, The guys that, that I trust are talking one, maybe two interest rate increases in the year in, in 2022. The market is basically factored in three, Jim, three. and I hope we're, I think we're going to be looking for some clues to that. Yes, and later on in the week, I think on Friday, three yep. Fed governors are going to speak. Now, th that I would watch for because then we're going to see post the prior FOMC meetings, you know, Federal Open Market Committee meetings. Uh, 
what the tone of those three Fed speakers are relative to uh, issues such as uh, number and timing of uh, interest rate increases. But you're right. The markets are, charts are suggesting three increases. Vince Malanga, yeah. Dr. Vince Malanga, who we totally respect, is just seeing one. So yeah. there's your, that, that's a big difference right there, even though from a basis perspective, it's not, but from a psychological tone, because many economists see a downturn in the U.S. economy the last six months of the year. So you, the, the Fed doesn't want to get into a box. So I wouldn't be confident of any number at this particular time, because we have to see uh, how the economy is going to unfold, Chip. Okay. Uh, the, the other important item on Friday is the, the December jobs data that we're going to get. So w there's been some big misses on that. We'll, it'll be interesting to see what we get for the jobs report. Last but call again, on that issues, survey Jim, was what taken, do you got? That, was, that survey, I think, was taken before the dr dramatic impact of uh, Omicron. So, of so Omicron. We, we may have to wait to, to another yeah. one to, to get the full assessment. That, but that's basically it. With the snow day today, most of the government reports from what we were told by USDA's NAS will come out today. The Federal Reserve data will come out. So because th that's been the impact of going virtual, what, for the last two years, that they've got yeah. this, that they can have their essential workers at home and can put out the information. So we've got a long ways to go. It's just the beginning of the year, but we've handled yeah. just a few of complex issues and hopefully have given you the signals rather than the noise. Absolutely. Hey, just uh, uh, an update here. We saw the sharp gains in the grain markets overnight, backed off a little bit. Corn is now one to two cents higher. Soybeans still 20 to 22 cents higher. And there's still a plus sign on the wheat market. So that's a good sign there. Happy New Year, everyone. Have a great week. Keep watching for those signals.